everyone and welcome to another episode of From the Lighthouse. My name's Stephanie and I'm here with Dr. Michelle Hamadash and today we're talking about two recent, very recent novels. Um, both deal with race in very um, different but resonant ways and we thought it would be interesting to compare them and that's Colson Whitehead's The Underground Railroad and Paul Beatty's The Sellout. They, um, the Whitehead was released in 2016 and The Sellout was released in 2015, so we're talking about very, very recent literature. So how did you go, Michelle? Look, um, you know, I think that they were both uh, sort of landmark books in many respects. Uh, and I think one of the marvellous things about both of them is that uh, both authors are incredibly eloquent and are incredibly active in talking bo about both um, the literature that they're creating, but also talking very much, um, they're very much talking about politics and the the very real um, conditions of race, uh, of um, ongoing exploitation, um, poverty, uh, mm. and all of the many many um, ideas that are explored mm. uh, in their works. Um, one of the things that struck me, uh, Stephanie, was that you know both Beatty and Whitehead employ powerful and deliberately paradoxical modes and genres. Um, Whitehead combines the historical materialism of slavery with magic realism, while Beatty combines the absurd with the realism of an erased and reinscribed city of Dickens that has concrete parallels to Compton, including that large agricultural estate at its centre, which is almost unbelievable mm. in terms, except that it is, yeah. um, <laughs> you know, which, which I think is, is fascinating. What, what, did you, what did you make? Well, starting with the Whitehead, I thought that the Underground Railroad um, magical realism element of the novel, so um, for those of you have, who haven't uh, read the novel yet, the Underground Railroad in reality was a network of people who helped um, slaves move from the south of America to the north where slavery didn't exist. Um, in the Colson Whitehead, he turns that into a literal Underground Railroad. <laughs> um, so you, you get on a train and you, and you move out of um, enslaved areas to the north. I thought that was a brilliant kind of um, a way of mixing in a very kind of light touch of magical realism into this novel that allowed you to kind of understand the stakes of what was happening in a kind of much more concrete way. The, uh, the, the vision that you have of this underground railroad moving through America and moving from areas that seem to be, moving from areas that seem quite dangerous to areas that seem safer was, was quite interesting, especially when he kind of unpacked the fact that those areas were not actually any kind of refuge for the, the escaped slaves in his novel at all. So I thought it was a, a brilliant way of kind of making the stakes kind of literal here, giving you an, an actual railroad through, through which to escape and demonstrating that in fact there is no escape because his runaway slaves keep getting re-enslaved or getting caught or ending up in situations where it seems that they've come to some kind of safety but they haven't in fact. Look, you know, I, I think one of the things that these talks have continually done has sort of marvelled at the potential within literature mm. to make very profound uh, and very original and, and, and very um, sort of new and in actual fact uh, in, in, in some sense as, as, as 
as hopeless and as, as, as profoundly devastating as the, 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 the Underground Railroad is mm. uh, in, its, in its pure inventiveness, mm. you know, in, in that uh, sort of, in its ability to take the, the sort of the fantastical mm. and, and, and blend it with, um, you know, sort of uh, rape and um, the complete and utter um, sort of transformation of individuals by uh, sort of particular societies that we both recognise as completely and utterly um, despicable and yet at the self-same moment recognise those parallels with the real, um, we sort of get this, this sense that um, you know that, that, that there is a, there is an imaginative power to the human, mm. and it's a power to sort of shape reality and uh, actually sort of change, mm. you know, in a, in a really deep sort of um, paradigmatic shift. Yeah. Um, the way that uh, the world functions. I think it's a brilliant kind of um, way to, as you say, to mix that kind of sense of the imagination and the imaginative power of literature with a real kind of devastating representation of reality. Um, there is so much that is absolutely appalling in this book in terms of um, what Cora, our, our primary character, main character, um, goes through. And yet there's such a lightness of touch in this book that I found really striking because on the one hand you're, he's narrating the most appalling experiences, the most appalling violence, sexual violence, um, dehumanisation, and yet his writing is so light of touch that it feels like a real exploration of what, as you say, what literature can do to allow us to imagine. Um, what really struck me too is that he doesn't go into a lot of detail about the particular violence that is um, that she experiences, so for example, the sexual violence, it's dealt with so kind of lightly and briefly, and so he lets your imagination do the work and create the horror. But it also means that we have a character who is not subsumed by her experience or defined That's by right. that experience. Yes. And, and I think so often it becomes um, a, a question of, you know, sort of a, an overriding tyranny mm. that, that, you know, sort of prevents. Uh, an acknowledgement of the incredible sort of resourcefulness and the sort of exceptional um, mm. qualities that are required to, uh, to, to sort of not just uh, forge a new way of life, which is essentially mm. uh, Cora's quest. You well, know. she has to forge many new ways of life, really, in, in every kind of city that she goes into. And you're right, we don't, even though she is a victim of, of numerous people and numerous and you know, the, obviously she's a victim of the social structure that is slavery, but we don't see her as necessarily a victim. She has um, a lot of personal fortitude, she has a lot of canniness, she's very intelligent, and I think he brings those qualities out more so than he does this image of her as his helpless victim. Look, um, it, it is that lightness of touch, and, and I think you can feel uh, the, 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 the fact that Whitehead has that uh, experience in sort of speculative fiction, in, yeah. his, in his you know sort of zombie zombie <laughs> writing, um, and also I think one of the things that uh, you know is, is very much at the forefront uh, of that discussion around representation of things that are sort of unrepresentable, you know, mm. sort of extreme violence and all of those sorts of things, that 
um, there, there are limits around what the human mind will actually conceive of and I think you're quite right that um, sort of as a, as a literary strategy um, that sort of um, placing those events in, in, a, in a sort of a, a semi-fantastical realm actually enables um, I, I think it, it actually enables a reader to more profoundly interrogate, identify with and absorb yeah. um, the enormity of an event. Yeah. Um, and, and of course one of the things that uh, you know, I think is always at the forefront of discussions around race is the degree to which um, you know, the, the essential quality of, of, sort of, um, of delineating notions around race, around slavery, it's linked to capitalism, um, in, in fact the, 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 very, the, the very sort of intrinsic dependence upon you know, sort of the, the prevailing economic system that, that sort of literally um, rests on, 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 on the blood and the bones of so many yeah. um, in, in a way that is, is so rarely uh, acknowledged. Mm. Um, you know, sort of. I mean, people so globally talk about dirty money, and, mm. and, and yet, you know, there, there's a there's a real sense of remembering the degree to which you know, sort of wealth, and is is um, completely and utterly um, completely responsible in some sense, and in for some of the most atrocious uh, sort of acts in human history. Um, and so I think that there's this real sense of, on one hand, um, are we forever to live in this sort of um, world where those categories must remain in place? Yeah. Or um, whether or not there are ways of, and, and, and ways that don't erase and erode and exploit and, um, I guess, subsume people and, and yet at the same time um, you know deconstruct some of the worst hierarchies that are that are existent around race. Well I think that's where the underground railroad motif comes in because it allows Cora to move through American cities in ways um, you know she, she can get on this train that, that, um, that takes her to South Carolina, North Carolina and so forth and what's interesting about that kind of journey is that she comes to places where slavery as an institution doesn't necessarily exist or she's not living, or she's not necessarily living as a slave but you can still see how as you say the whole capitalist system rests on slavery so for example when she's in South Carolina and she's working at um, she's working in a museum uh, where she's an exhibit um, and she, she's an exhibit of, a, of savage people and that's how the, the um, museum attracts visitors is to come and see this living exhibit. So they might be patting themselves on the back about how, you know, we don't do this here, we're not, you know, we've got all of these, these black people, but they're living together, they're not in slavery, they're free, but yet their whole um, economic system still rests on exploiting people based on their race. It's also a really profound metaphor for the way that so many notions, um, so many racist notions are actually entrenched in essentially um, archaic ideas. That's right, absolutely. Um, and, and, and you yet, can see the afterlife of those ideas today. Um, which, which I think is, you know, once again, the, the, the immense power of, 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 of the novel. Mm. Um, and, and I think also the way that, um, for me, those uh, snippets from classifieds 
yeah. that um, you look at those those uh, that you know you look at the, the the genre the tone of those classifieds that are so recognisable across you know sort of um, they could be in a, in a, in a, in every way shape and form a classified in a in in a, in a modern day newspaper um, except with this chilling re- realization that uh, no these these are people who actually feel as though they are entitled to advertise for their property. That's um, right. And they are treat and those classifiers are so shocking because they're so short. They are just given to you with no kind of surrounding context. They're just classified ads that, that demonstrate that these people have been reduced to the status of an animal, the status of, a, of an item, a household item. They just need to be returned to their owners as if they had no kind of bodily agency of their own. It's such an effective way of highlighting the complete dehumanisation of these people. Look, and, and you use that word dehumanisation, and of course mm-hmm. there's there's so much um, debate around it because mm-hmm. um, Walter Johnson actually talks about the fact that, um, you know, in some sense, although the, the concept makes so much sense because you, you can't imagine the ability of one human to know that they're doing something to a human and yet still... Um, and still go ahead and do and it. And still yeah. go ahead and, 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 and do it. And yet the point that he makes is that every single um, sort of aspect of slavery mm. actually rested upon the, the humanity of the, of the slave because they needed to be able to learn they needed to be able to have initiative. They needed to be able to reproduce themselves. Yeah. They, you know, sort of every single aspect of slavery mm. required the the very particular, um, you know, sort of the the very particular qualities that are unique to humans, from 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 language to um, you know dexterity to um, you know desires that could be. Uh, he, 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 to quote from him. Um, directly, he, they could be terrorised. Their fears could make them pliable. Their fears could make them controllable. They could be tortured, beaten, and starved, raped, humiliated, and degraded. Mm. Um, and I think that when sort of in those in that framework, there's a very good, you know, sort of argument for mm. sort of acknowledging that the most terrifying part of it was that in a, in a sense, uh, it's too easy to say that they were dehumanised. Mm. Well, I mean, you see that so beautifully um, when uh, Whitehead is pointing out that there is an actual imperative for for the masters, a capitalist kind of imperative, to rape the slaves because that creates, as you say, another generation of slaves. But it also gives a kind of um, imperative for the slaves to stay where they are, <laughs> to because they've got these children and they ha- and they can be further terrorised because they have got um, children. That they have, that they are emotionally kind of engaged with and care for, and so there's another kind of reason for them to be sort of stuck and terrorised within their surroundings. So I think that he he draws out all these kind of nuances around what slavery does to the to the human in numerous ways, and that are not necessarily tied to Cora's experience at the plantation. You can see the the effects of slavery as she moves through space that aren't just about what happens on the plantation. They're about what happens to her in a society that is built on slavery, where a system that is built on slavery, even when she's, you know, experiencing the world as, as a runaway slave, as a kind of free woman, she's still being affected by the kind of ideologies that underpin slavery. And I think that Whitehead draws that out quite 
um, cleverly, you can see the way she moves through space is always going to be circumscribed by her slavery, even if she, at that point, is not on the plantation. Look, it, 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 and it was palpable, wasn't it? I mean, mm-hmm. it was just, and because especially towards the end when um, it, it, it felt as though finally she'd reached a place of refuge mm. um, where, you know, um, libraries and, 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 and I mean, I thought it was fascinating that we had sort of that figure of miscegenation where, mm. you know, sort of characters who, because, you know, they, they had a father who was white or, mm. you know, where um, you, you, you saw in this very sort of tangible way the effect of, um, you know, sort of um, occupying double spaces yeah and, and, you know, sort of the way that, um, you know, sort of that function within the narrative and I think also to um, to Whitehead's credit he he doesn't uh, sort of flinch from representing the, the, the sort of the complexity of the situation um, within that final settlement where the group feels threatened by the presence of runaway slaves mm. um, by the, the sort of both the you know he's, he's he, he, he is not afraid of giving us you know, sort of the, the flawed character who will betray. Mm. Um, he's not afraid of, um, you know, sort of uh, exploring the full potential and 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 the full, um, in 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 fact, the the the, the very real and devastating and and permanent mm. um, consequences of, of having been saved. And I, I think about um, the companion to the slave hunter mm. um, as, a, as, a, as a most fascinating and chilling double of each other where they, they have this sort of symbiotic relationship which yeah. never um, you know, sort of fully disrupts the, the hierarchy and yet at the same time there's this sort of devotion and um, that, 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 was, that was just um, that, that was just Im- impossible to mm. To forget. Well, what Whitehead does is is demonstrate why such relationships, I think, um, arise. So, both in the case of of Ridgeway and his and his companion, um, it, it becomes sort of clear why this hierarchical but close relationship exists. And also, when when we get um, to go back to your point about the characters who will betray, Whitehead cl- so cleverly draws out exactly why they would betray, mm. because it's so dangerous for them. Um, as well, to be in the company of a runaway slave or to be harbouring a runaway slave. So you can, you, he draws out why you would be tempted to do this, this act, which would have horrific consequences. I mean, even the white woman in North Carolina, when um, she's living in the attic, um, Cora's living in an attic, you, you're at, at the same time you're kind of distraught that this situation has come to an end even though she's stuck in an attic you kind of at least she's safe and so you want her to be safe but you can understand why the, the white woman in that situation would, would be incredibly nervous about keeping a runaway slave because this is life and death for her as well and so you can see the the kind of tentacles of slavery kind of coming out and affecting everybody really obviously it affects the slaves much more but you can see in this in this kind of situation why you would be tempted to betray because yeah. this is life and death, and how do you negotiate that? Do you? We would like to think we would do the noble thing, and we would be, you know, an ally, and we and we would help, and all of this sort of thing. But would you? You know, when it came down to your own personal safety and that of your family, and would you? Because <laughs> and in in actual fact, the fruition of their um, aiding mm. Cora was very much them ending up. 
um, executed. That's right. And in, in, in fact, I think that um, sort of, and once again, it was his willingness to explore the spectrum mm. of, of, of race. Because we did, we had, you know, sort of in, under that one roof, we had the, 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 the husband who, you know, sort of seemed to have an almost um, inherent or innate sense mm. that it, it's not possible to treat people in the way that they're being treated. Mm. Um, and it almost felt that it was sort of a, a genetic trait inherited from his father, a discovery mm. linked to, to his father. And then, of course, you had his wife, who we have this um, strange um, flashback sort of mm. to a, a chapter devoted to her, mm. um, which was difficult to read, especially knowing that um, <laughs> she, she, because it, it, it flashes back after she's um, sort, of, uh, sort of on the stake sort of thing. And then, of course, you have the, the maid, the hired help, who is the actual sort of yes. relentless yeah. and absolutely uh, without mercy mm. um, betrays them yeah. and, 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 and does it in, 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 in such a... Um, it, she does it with, with such satisfaction. That's right. Um, so we just so all the way through, we're given the opportunity to see the spectrum yes. the, 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 across the, the, the sort of continuum, um, which I, th I think is, 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 is sort of the only way that we can ever really mm. conceive of a problem where it, it, it is indeed, you know, just it isn't a single problem. It, it's, it's a whole series mm. of really, as you, as you said, deeply. Um, sort of in, entrenched worldviews mm. and you know sort of social institutions and, and economies and um, and this is what I think we get in the, in the Whitehead. Well, Whitehead not doesn't shy away from complexity. He doesn't. Um, this is you know this is a book that is clearly um, not pushing an agenda. I wouldn't necessarily say that, but it has a kind of um, viewpoint towards the world. But it's not preachy. It's not simple. It's complex. It's um, searching, it, it demonstrates how systems are built up, how slavery is a kind of um, complex web that infects really the whole of America, even though the North is set up as, you know, and the way we kind of culturally think of the North of America at this time is that, you know, it was this place where slavery didn't exist and it was a refuge, but as he, as he demonstrates, that's not the case. So he doesn't shy away from the complexity of all of these questions. He doesn't kind of give you, slavery is bad, here's my novel about slavery, um, you were supposed to think at the end, well, slavery is very bad. It's it's much more complex than that. Yes, of course, you're supposed to think slavery is bad, but it's a much more kind of nuanced and complex portrait of a system that is still with us. Well, I think that's the thing. It's 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 working via analogy, isn't mm. it? Where through you know sort of treating the historical, that's right. um, we are actually being invited to reflect upon the very real conditions Absolutely. of today. And yeah. I think that's just one of the most um, powerful things. And I mean, of course. Um, while Whitehead won the National Book Award. Mm -hmm. um, He's my pick for the Pulitzer this year. I have it on tape, so <laughs> if he wins, I will be vindicated. <laughs> uh, let, let me not um, <laughs> sort of put a wager on that with you, um, <laughs> Stephanie. Um, we have, on the other hand, you know, sort of a, a very different uh, approach mm. to pretty much uh, sort of everything with um, the sellout. Mm. And in, um, I think you know sort of the fascinating um, thing about the, the Beatty or, or the thing that I'm, I'm constantly asking myself about as, 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 I, as, as we sort of ready ourselves to talk about it is, mm. is a comment that um, Beatty made uh, in an interview with the Paris Review 
um, and in that he said, um, I've been having all these conversations about contemporary books and what's so weird is that these books are structured for a certain target audience, mm. mostly white liberal intellectuals who respond really positively to them, but the books are written for them which is absolutely okay, no one talks about that. It's just like, oh, well, that's fine, and these books get a certain kind of attention. I'll see it and I think, well, that feels like pandering, but that's just who these people want to talk to, which is absolutely fine, and I hope I'm not doing that. I don't think mm. I'm doing that. And, and I think the, the, that, you know, um, I'm, I'm thinking a, a, about the way that, um, you know, sort of the, the winning of the Man Booker Prize, I'm thinking about the the way that um, you know so much of the the talk about the sellout is um, focusing on its 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 use of satire. Um, you know, I, I, the, the 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 sort of blurb on the front cover has it as the most lacerating American satire in years. From the Guardian, mm. um, we have um, sort of comments where you know. I think one of them actually says somebody had to hold their, um, you know, sort of sides because they were laughing so much. Uh, yeah, I was banned from bed because I was laughing so much in the man, which is Olivia Williams' man booker judge, 2016. Um, and, and I think that the reason I sort of wanted to start mm. with that acknowledgement of the white liberal intellectuals and um, the sorts of books that appeal um, is that, you know, I, I, I think that I'm, I'm always firstly aware that, you know, I probably fit into that category. Yeah, we both do. We so we're, 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 we're reading this in a university context as white liberal intellectuals. That's exactly what we're doing. Yep, <laughs> absolutely. And I also think that um, these days books are part of a, of, of a production. Mm. They're part of an industry. And so that, you know, we have this sense that maybe we have blurb and we have promotional sort of mm. um, impulses that are actively shaping the way a book is um, read mm. um, by by placing an emphasis on aspects of it that may have it as the most likely to you know sort of um, you know be a bestseller, and then yeah. at the same time we have sort of um, Beatty sort of wanting the the, the tragic element of this mm. the, this story to be as equally considered. Um, as as the, the the comedy as the satire, which of course he's in no way um, sort of denying, mm. but just that I think that um, th th there is underlying the best satire um, a, 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 a tragic element, and I, I think that you know sort of in 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 a sense that um, to do the the book justice. Um, and, and even to do the genre of, of satire um, justice, it, it can't it can't be handled in such a facile manner. Well, I think that I think that's an interesting quote because I think I was aware of my difference from this book more so than with the Whitehead. So I felt at times alienated from the sellout, and I'm not sure if that's because. I'm not American and I don't necessarily have all the cultural references or cultural kind of understandings that this book is really, um, really under, underpin this book. Um, but I found, I didn't find it funny in that kind of laugh out loud sense. I did read it as a satire um, and certainly there is, and I, and I picked up on that kind of tragic underpinnings of this satire, but I found myself quite alienated from some of the... Um, particular kind of cultural reference in this book. So, for example, when he's, he's smoking weed on um, 
the steps of the, of the Supreme Court. I could sense I was having a different kind of reaction to that than an American reader might do. So this book made me really think about myself as a reader and what I'm bringing to the reading process as, as you say, as that kind of white liberal intellectual who, you know, pats himself on the back for reading kind of widely and personally. Um, I, I felt kind of more alienated from this than I did from the whitehead and that is a good thing, I think, because that allows you to think through what you're doing when you're reading and who you, what perspective you're reading from. So I actually found that to be my kind of initial alienation from the book was probably a good thing because it prompted kind of more thought about that position and what I'm doing reading here in from my kind of, you know, bubble in Australia as a female academic. And it is fascinating um, in terms of uh, the, the book as the very first American mm. book to win a Booker Prize in, in, yeah. in um, to have such an overtly um, you know sort of as you say American yeah. um, with all of its cultural references so um, blazingly mm. um, and, and so loudly mm. worn um, but that's right it is so immersed in America it is, it's really an American book in every sense of the term I mean I think that I mean, obviously it's American written by an American it's set in America obviously but it's just it, it seems to me to be so specifically culturally about America at a specific point in time so I think yes that's really interesting that this is the first um, American recipient of the Man Booker Prize and it is so blatantly American. It's not a book that happens to be American, it's a book about America in, in all of its kind of complexity. Yeah, and, and I mean that that's fascinating because then, you know, sort of as, as, as a literary reader, I'm always mm. asking myself, you know, sort of I guess the, 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 because we're, we're always sort of so aware of the way that it is through the particular mm. you know, sort of that we, that, that we manage to access the, the universal, universal. Yeah. and that idea of um, sort of uh, because I mean, sort of traditionally, um, you know, sort of satire has always had that moral underpinning. That's right. Um, you know, <coughs> it's you know some of its 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 greatest exponents like Swift, mm. um, who I actually uh, got a, a, a quote um, uh, down where he he sort of said it's it's it's. It's easy, you know. It's, a bit, it's easy to criticise satire, and this is Swift. I can't quite remember mm. um, where it came from, but this is Swift saying it's easy to um, to categorise um, satire as the easiest of, of wits, the easiest of genres to to, mm. to, to sort of um, produce. Um, but in actual fact, it's very much dependent on its context, because in 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 a really in hard times, mm. um, satire is the most difficult thing to pull off. Um, and, and, I, and I think that um, this is where um, Beatty's brilliance lies, mm. is that we are actually writing in a time where all of the things that he, he is satirising so um, um, laceratingly, which I think is a good word, um, are actually completely and utterly um, the, 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 the very fabric mm. and the, very, the stuff of our, of our hard times. That's right. It's such a book of the moment, isn't it? It's such a book that that really um, speaks to us at a particular cultural moment. And I think that that is, again, where the lacerating nature of the satire comes through because it is so pointed in this very sharp and very um, 
I'm, I'm trying to think of a word besides lacerating, but I don't think I'm coming up with anything better. It's such a pointed kind of um, comment upon the world that we live in. It's it's the implications, you know, that that, that everyone is 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 implicated in in all of this, and because yeah. it's such a um, such a rich and in in fact sort of almost a a, a, a cornucopia yeah. in in terms of the number of um, references. It's it, it's it's. I mean, obviously, you know, we've got that sort of sense of pastiche. We've got um, the. We, we've got the, the, the sort of the, the, the role of the, um, the the television series, the children's television series, with its you know sort of which is on one hand um, sort of I think recognisable because I, I, I actually have memories and I don't know if you, I think I'm older than you so you may not remember it but I remember Fat Albert. Um, which was a cartoon um, which dealt exclusively, I think it's a long time, um, with with black children growing up in a pretty um, grim mm. socio-economic area. In fact, I think they met up in um, a sort of a, a scrapyard from memory. Yeah. Um, and, and so for me, I, I, even though that was animation, I'm still thinking down those lines when I'm, I'm thinking of, um, you know, sort of the, the, the character who breezes in and, and um, sort of runs the donut club after the, the the sort of shooting down of um, the narrator Bonbon's father, um, and we've got sort of the legal system. You know, we, we open up, and I think it's really important to sit for a moment and think. Actually, we do. This book opens up on the steps of the, the of the Supreme yeah. Court, and I think you know, sort of, in in an environment that is so definitively and, and so defiantly and so exclusively and, and so, um, you know, sort of actively being re-inscribed as black, as segregated, um, you know, sort of that reintroduction of segregation um, in, into Dickens at the same time that we're sort of mm. drawing white lines around um, a, a sort of a, a Dickens as Compton uh, area. Um, we're actually being asked to think very much the degree to which our, the legal system, with its reliance on precedence, with its reliance on history, on tradition, on um, precedence, is in actual fact, you know, sort of, uh, in many sense, a, a white system. And you know, given today um, the, the 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 rate of you know sort of and and also the consequences that you know sort of yeah. people who have been imprisoned, I believe, can't vote. Well, that's right, and they're and they're disenfranchised in stunning, uh, you know, huge numbers in America. Actually, when I was reading that particular um, segment about um, when he's opening up in the Supreme Court, I was reminded of a fantastic story on This American Life. Um, another podcast um, about, and it was it was brilliantly done because it was just a an account of what happened at a school where they were attempting to close down another school and to bring um, a predominantly kind of African American population into a school that had predominantly been white. And all they did was they just gave you audio of the discussions that happened in this school, and nobody was being explicitly racist. Now, not an explicitly racist word was said, but every word was said was about segregation. Every word that was said was about who had power and who didn't, and perceptions about those who didn't have power, which would be the African American population. And it was just, it was staggering to just hear people say, well, I'm worried about violence. I'm not worried about those people, but I am worried about violence. And you can see how power is shored up in ways that are often kind of invisible to people. If you had asked them, 
those people in the story who were saying these things about how I'm worried about violence if these people move into my school. They would have said, no, I'm not racist. But they have such power and such privilege as a consequence of their social position, as a consequence of their race, that is that they have clearly not examined. <laughs> and they also uh, 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 clearly have the sense of entitlement that's to right. make these sorts of calls. And that's exactly what, what Beattie's talking about. You know, he's talking about segregation. He's talking about um, the legal system, who has power, who doesn't, who has privilege, who has entitlement, and the ways in which these questions are fundamentally and completely unresolved and still feed into almost every aspect of life, no matter if you're a white person or if you're a black person. The way that you move through the world is completely different. Look, and, and, I, and I think that, you know, sort of when, when uh, you, you deal with a, a, a novel that... because um, it, it, it requires uh, such... Uh, sort of brilliance and, and, and such um, sort of intellect to be able to shape um, a, a novel that's so because it is actually quite formally beautiful in the mm. sense that we ha- and and in essence the Supreme Court is the frame, isn't it? It's, that's it's, right. Because we, we yeah we come back to we it begin and we end mm. and you know sort of in some sense that um, that informs because the the, 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 the the subtext all the way through is what is it that's going to lead us back to that Supreme Court. That's you right. Know. And we know we're going to end up back there. We, yeah. we know that something along the line is going to be, you know, sort of the, the, the event. And because we, we, we're not even 100% sure of what, you know, sort of um, our narrator is implicated in. We're not mm. sure whether he, he seems to be there willingly in the opening. Mm. Um, there's a, there's a, there's a marvellous sort of laissez affair, you know, because mm. one, one of the things that I think he does so brilliantly is that, is that we have this, you know, sort of fantastic um, con- moderation of, of, of tone and you know, sort of the the the, the ability to so um, sort of sweetly hit mm. those notes uh, is 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 really the marker of, 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 of great talent. And and I think the events and the sort of the because um, there there is actually that that sort of marvelous in many respects. Um, what would you call it? It's it's, it's almost uh, um, it, it, it becomes sort of almost grotesque mm. towards the end. I mean, because we're we're ending up in a in a in a in a schoolyard where, in order to demonstrate, you know, what your life might be like, should you choose mm. <laughs> to, um, to, to 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 work um, the the land is um, really. That's all our narrator. What he just is is is, is to concentrate on his um, extra sweet um, fruit and <laughs> um, and his uh, very special um, marijuana um, is the um, you know sort of the, the castration and yeah. the uh-huh. the sort of the, um, it, it, the it's the absurd and you know sort of the the, the further into the absurd that um, that 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 he takes us. You know, sort of at each point, I, I kept thinking it, 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 we're not going to end up in a situation more absurd. <laughs> and then he, well, see, actually, the the kind of incident that really sticks with me, or the the segment of the book that really sticks with me, is his father, mm-hmm. who keeps having. Um, so the narrator's father <laughs> is engaging in a process of kind of sociological experimentation by subjecting the narrator to all of these kinds of experiments, um, racial racially based experiments. Um, in order to figure out kind of what happens to 
a person when they're subjected to all of this kind of racial racial abuse and so forth. And it becomes so uh, that but goes back to your point about tone because it becomes so grotesquely funny. Um, these over-the-top kind of um, experiments that are performed on him. And yet, it is so kind of biting. And if you sit and think about it for a minute, you think, God, this is appalling. But he's got such a kind of grotesque and absurd tone about it that it's, it's kind of fairly easy to kind of just be taken along. And then you have to kind of bring yourself up and go, wow, what am I laughing at <laughs> But also, on a metaphoric level, it's actually quite chilling. That's right, absolutely. Because all the way through, we realise to the degree, and, and I keep you know, sort of listening to the way language leads me perfectly into an example you know, of, of why um, books like these are just so important, mm. because it is constantly this um, sort of situation of a we thinking about, well, how are we going to sort this problem out, and what yeah. sort of different experiments and approaches can we take That's in right. order to deal with this? And, and he's, and he's satirising that very thing, isn't he? It, it is absolutely mm. the degree, you know, sort of underlying, you know, sort of that 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 current. And, and mm. I think this is where, you know, sort of when um, I, I think about satire, um, it, it is that it's that um, it's it, it is it's always that effort to try and locate what it is that's being uh, critiqued, subverted, mm. um, condemned. Um, and and what it is that's being suggested in its place, and one of the things that I think um, you know sort of Beatty is doing is that he's actually doing something very new um, with the form of satire, um, and in, in in some sense with this novel, um, what we're getting is is uh, a, a sort of um, you know that very rare event of um, sort of I, I think a, a, a writer who is able to make use of a form and then transform it. Ah, oh, absolutely, and I think that's potentially why he has um, he's talked in the media, um, BD, quite a lot about how he doesn't actually think that um, his work is satire. He says. Um, he thinks it's an easy way to not talk about anything else because then we do tend to focus on that kind of absurdism and the humour of it. Um, and then he says, I would better understand it if they talked about it as a tragic comic novel. And so I think they get that uh, that kind of um, perhaps pushing at the boundaries of satire or extending um, what satire can do um, beyond that kind of, isn't this a great critique, kind of, haha, this is funny, um, response that we tend to have towards satire because that's how we tend to respond. We tend to say, well, look, this is really clever and funny and then that's it. And I think <laughs> as, you know, sort of a corollary uh, in just as in every sort of aspect of the Underground Railway, we could see the parallel with today. I think even in the most sort of horrific mm. of scenes, including, um, you know, um, the, the, the father and his presence in lovemaking in this and yeah. in that... Um, we're, we're getting that sense of a critique of a white state. That's right, absolutely. And and the world, the the way the world is structured. And I mean, these these books we we chose them to compare because they just so brilliantly bookend each other, don't they? Because the Colson Whitehead demonstrates how this this white state has come about, and Paul Paul Beatty, what he does is look at the now, mm. the afterlife of the world that. Well, that Whitehead describes so brilliantly. So they really do work nicely as a pair, I think, in, in looking at the, the, the way race relations are structured to today. 
I think that's all we have time for today. Thank you, Michelle, for another great conversation. Thank you, Stephanie. <laughs> Always a pleasure. We'll see you in a few weeks. Thank you.